0: News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio. Where you want it, when you want it. Growing Saskatchewan one yard at a time. Garden Talk on 980-CJME. Call 1-877-332-8255.
1: You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dive If you have any questions or would like some tips, you can give us a call or text. The phone number is the same, 1-877-332-8255. Good morning, guys.
2: Good morning, Aaron. Welcome.
1: Hi. Yeah, welcome. I'm yes. here for the second time this summer. I think it's the, <laughs> the third. Time. Yeah, second, second or third. Or third. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, good to be back.
2: Last day of July.
3: Yeah, Boy, it came it's, fast.
2: Oh, man, this summer's gone.
3: It's Crazy fast. So fast, but so good at yeah. the same time. I feel like we've had a good mix of rainy days and sunny days. And I've, yep.
2: I've noticed that the night times are starting to get shorter. Yes. Because, you know, I've been last keeping my yard, so I usually work from, you know, in the morning right up until I can't see at night, so in the yard, and so it's... Uh, now
1: you're coming in at 8.30 instead of... <laughs> well, no, no, it's, it's,
2: it's about uh, it's 9 o'clock. 9.30, nine nine, nine, yeah. nine then I came in last night, it was starting to get too dark at 9.30, so...
3: I was out at the <laughs> cabin at Rick's place last mm-hmm. night with the kids, and so we got off the water around almost quarter to nine, and he was still pulling, pulling irrigation <laughs> pipe
1: through the backyard. Still finding something to do. Exactly. <laughs>
4: and
1: <laughs> it's the long weekend, which long weekend. is always nice. Yep.
2: And you know what, uh, from what I hear, it's, uh, the big talk right now is especially out in Regina. Is mosquitoes mosquitoes oh, yeah. mosquitoes even last night that's what basically chased me out of the yard last night <laughs> the mosquitoes are starting to come and attack
3: but that mosquito barrier works really well uh, it works. i mean it's a, yeah. a mosquito barrier is it's like a concentrated garlic that you oh, spray okay. out in the yard and it keeps the mosquitoes at bay it's actually uh, pretty a good product
2: i've hmm. used it a bunch of times for i use it for my son's wedding i used it for uh, also some family big family functions not a mosquito. Everybody's sitting around the campfire in the backyard and, and and at the lake, and no mosquitoes at all.
3: I wouldn't do it like five minutes before anything, no, no, though, because no. it does <laughs> have quite a strong potent yeah. garlicky you'll, smell. You'll smell
2: like a Greek restaurant for yeah. just a little, couple hours, but I always do mine in the morning, yeah, before lunch,
4: mm-hmm. for
2: for an evening time, and then there's nothing around. And I even don't have it for as long as it doesn't rain right away. You'll have it for a few day, a bunch of days. So
1: yeah, it works yeah, really works, well. Works More really effective well. than those little candles that. Uh, uh, everybody seems to have on the, well, the dining candles, room table.
2: The, the candles work, but it works yeah. just in a small, a small little zone. S- spot, <laughs> sewn in front of you. But you go and you spray the grass and you spray the shrubs, and it's funny because I go out and just check to see what's going on. I go shake the shrubs and the mosquitoes are there, and then they to go right back down again. <laughs> they, just they just don't want to spend any time. They don't want to get around. So yeah, it's 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 quite amazing how that mosquito barrier works.
3: The other thing that just wrapped up last weekend was the nest garden tours. And yes. uh, so the, those are garden tours that are, people apply to put their mm-hmm. yards in, and then you go tour them from 1 till 5 on, so it was last yep. Sunday, July 24th, was the last garden nest tours. And I've had lots of people come into the store with pictures and seen lots of pictures on social media. There's some pretty fabulous yards. Oh, in the amazing, tune. Yes. Yep. And uh, the amount of prairie hardy plants that people have and the amount of plants that aren't hardy to Saskatchewan that some people get to grow in their yards is just phenomenal. I, I love seeing those success stories.
2: And, and check your local horticulture society. Whether you're in Yorkton or Swift Current or Regina, Saskatoon, whatever, they have ones during the summertime. Some are over already, yeah, but there's still some going on. So check your and you'll just check your local uh, horticulture society. They're usually the ones that get involved in those, in those uh, in the garden tours. You just you'll just see uh, a backyard that you drive by every day that you just didn't realize. Wow.
4: Yeah, you
3: open the gate and it's a secret garden back there. It's a secret there. garden back Completely. there. And they used to do them as bus tours um, back in the day, but now they mostly, you buy the tour, they give you a map and then you go oh, okay. self guided th- through oh. them. Um, there's, there's some great ones out there. And like Rick said, they're, they're usually out there in every community. You just have to know to look for look, them, look for mm-hmm. them. Yeah. and uh, just look up your, your local society and you'll be able to find them that way.
1: Perfect. We have a couple of calls waiting for us now. So we'll jump to Regina where Carl is waiting for us. Good morning, Carl. Good morning, Rick and Jill. Good
5: morning. I have a question regarding zucchini. I've had this ongoing problem for years. Uh, It's blossom end rot. The fruit grows to about two to three inches long, and then gets dormant and and goes to the the end, uh, rots off. I get about one out of fifteen.
2: Yep. So. so
3: That's so, a nutrient deficiency is what you have well, there. two
2: things, yeah. And watering. Yeah, and watering, right? You're, so your inconsistent watering is number one reason why you'll get blossom end right on both tomatoes and, and squash and pumpkins and all that kind of stuff. It's this inconsistent watering. Wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry. And Which is
3: really hard in a year when you get really rain hard. like this really year. Yeah.
2: And, then, and then using well, a fertilizer with calcium is another huge one. Is that, that, that's the one that'll help. Prevent, help prevent that. But uh, if you, if the inconsistent watering is there, the, even the
3: calcium doesn't help. So, right. but
5: what would you suggest for watering them? Like what time period? Because I, I generally water every three days.
3: Uh, it's different for every yard. Yep. What you want to be able to do is I go into my yard and when I'm trying to judge how long I should have it, um, on for is the top inch of your soil should be, look dry. So if you stick, stick something down the top two inches of the soil should be dry before you're watering again. So if you're watering every three days, go out there right before those sprinklers come back on again on the third day or what before you go water and just dig down a little bit around your plants and make sure it's dry before you're watering stick,
2: it. Stick your index finger right down as far as it can go, right to the big knuckle.
3: Same and, same thing as if it's too dry. Um, if you're only watering it every three days and it's dry two, two to three inches down in the soil, you will have to up that watering to a little bit more. And,
2: and sometimes the zucchini, they have such big leaves, mm-hmm. sometimes every right. three days is going to make them go really dry before you're watering again.
5: Right. And what about the calcium? When when do you put that on? At, at in the
2: planting? Spring at planting?
5: growth.
6: You can plant
3: it, but you can also get four fertilizers that have the calcium in it. So when you're fertilizing every two weeks, it has that calcium in there. So it's a, a fertilizer specified for tomatoes, and whenever you see a, a, a fertilizer for tomatoes, it will always have that calcium
2: and in it. And another company is called Dirt and Grow or Evolve out of Winnipeg, and the gardens, a lot of the garden centers have it. And so it actually has extra calcium in it, and it's a slow release. You can actually sprinkle it around your plants, mm-hmm. and it just gives a little bit of fertilizer every time you want water
3: yes that's a really good one
2: so is it too late in the season now to start adding it nope not for vegetables no not i would go
3: it. right to the end you want to fertilize your vegetables right to the end of the crop
2: just because you're watering so much that you leach all that nutrients out of the soil right so mm-hmm. and and the one thing about the 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 organic fertilizer like dirt and grow makes is that they're not a high nitrogen so you're not forcing a lot of green growth it's it's concentrating on the fruit yeah
4: the
6: plants the plants are is healthy Yep.
2: Yeah. yeah so now we just have to get the watering under control, and then, like I said, you'll you'll need to do a test where you have to stick your finger in the soil and then figure out what your actual watering for your yard is.
6: Great. Thanks
2: for your help. Okay. Time. You're welcome.
1: Thanks, Carl. Bye. All right. We will jump down to Ron in Delisle. Good morning, Ron. What's your question?
7: I, I've got a problem. I believe it's leaf miners. I've spoke to you before, in fact, I think the last two years about this, but... I thought I uh, I thought that maybe the cycle had been over. I did not spray the May long weekend like you suggested, but um, I got I got black leaves again um,
2: on the poplars, right?
7: Non on the poplars, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's just not a few. I mean, I got a couple hundred here. Yeah. So um, now you had suggested the the Lagon 480E. Yeah,
2: Lagon or Saigon.
7: Right on. Yep. Um,
2: now that, that's only available uh, if you're a farmer. Okay.
7: Yeah. Like so, I, I've got it. I've got
2: yep. the product yep. here. Yeah.
7: Like as far as natural goes, is is the NEMO oil? Does it work?
2: Nem oil works on a lot of things, but hard to work on. You have to if you do it for leaf miner, you have to do it before the fly comes and lays his eggs, okay? Okay, yeah. Uh, and the neem oil, you can't get in Canada either, right? So it's that's, that's right another on. one that's a hard one to get. But and then you to,
3: have to reapply with the neem oil every yeah. 10 to 15 well, days. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what what you're we're suggesting.
4: suggesting.
7: I, I read that it re- yeah. repeated. Well, I got too many to repeat. Yeah. But, you know, I, they're 20 to 25 feet high. Yeah. Uh, now, what about pounce?
2: Pounce won't work once they're in the leaf, right? Once they're in okay. the leaf, you won't get them. So well, the to,
7: only option I got is the, the, the leg on the
2: leg on is the only it's a systemic you can put it on early and then it'll stay there for most of the season right okay. so like you, then you have to, then yeah. you can get it but right now like most times miners will not kill a tree okay unless every mm-hmm. single leaf is totally black on the whole tree right, right on. But otherwise, you know it, it's not a, it's not a death sentence for your tree That's the only thing is that you don't have okay. to worry about that part um, unless you get it so bad that every single leaf is totally black, then that's a bad one but mm-hmm. but uh but other than that, keep uh, your trees healthy keep, keep them watered, keep them healthy so you get new growth, especially mm-hmm. now you're getting too late to fertilize them now, but fertilize them in this, in, in May and June. Get, mm-hmm. get lots of new growth happening so that uh, that that it has many lots of leaves so that the leaf miners won't get every single leaf.
7: So you're you're suggesting should I should I spray it or should I leave it?
2: Well, now it's right. probably it's probably too late now. Okay. The miners are probably finished there. If you have to open up the leaf, you still see yeah, the worms yeah. in them. Mm-hmm. If you still see the worms in them, then you can still hit it. Okay. If okay, if they, they might be gone already.
7: No, the worms are in it. I, I checked a yeah. whole bunch.
2: Yeah, then, then you can still get them. Okay. Okay, just do a 4 spray, spray on the leaves. Okay. Not fun, but I'll do it. Yep, okay. I got
3: a, I got a job ahead of you now. <laughs> yeah.
2: Just okay. mask up and everything, please, okay?
7: Yeah, yeah, okay. I've got the whole nine yes. yards here.
2: Right on. Yep. Thank you.
7: Okay, thank yeah. you a
1: lot. I know. We are going to take a quick break, and then we'll get to more of your calls. Les and Brian waiting on the line. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME.
0: To Green Thumbs Up, Garden Talk. Call one 332 8255 on 980-CJME.
1: To garden talk on 650 ckom and 980 cjme i'm aaron mcnutt here with rick and jill van divendijk if you have a question for us give us a call at one 332 we've had some people patiently waiting for us so we'll jump down to less good morning less what's your question this morning
2: good morning good morning um
6: my sister asked me about a cedar tree and I said, well, I'll phone Dr. Rick hey, and he'll <laughs> let me know. But uh, they had about a hundred deer hanging around their yard yep. right on top of a valley hill on a farm. Yep. And uh, they cleaned off a pyramid cedar tree right up to about, oh, the last foot <laughs> yeah. this past winter and uh, it it looks terrible. There isn't a thing growing other than sticks down below, but yep. that green little tuff on top, will that come back?
2: Yeah, been there, done that at our lake. So we call them the topiary <laughs> trees. They call topiary trees. <laughs> so, well, you'll, they they will come back, but it's going to take you about five years. Okay? Five years, yeah, at least, and you got to put a fence around them every year now because the deer will come back to those trees every year. And if you if you lose it another time, then they won't come back at all. Okay. Oh dear. But okay. you'll have to, yeah, no, oh, deer's right? Because
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the deer will be
4: back to her
2: yard. Yeah. This so winter. so you'll, he'll, she'll we'll have to fence them to keep them off them, and then next year, starting Mother's Day, she'll have to fertilize them every three weeks with thirty ten ten until July the fifteenth, from Mother's Day to July fifteenth, okay. and then keep them white. And then she can get some new growth happening, but okay. it's going to take at least five years to fill them back in.
6: Okay. Okay. Well, I will tell her, and uh, she won't be happy, but nope. oh, that's <laughs> what
2: it is. But it, there again, you know, she'll, from now on, she'll have to fence them every winter time. Like I put it, I put snow fences around mine every winter. Yeah. And so, but because you miss one winter, and you'll start right from scratch again.
6: Yeah, I don't know if a snow fence would have been deep enough. Uh for the way the snow was this winter. We had snow.
2: Yeah, that's true. Sometimes they get over top. Right, right. Okay,
6: Okay. thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay.
1: I know. We have Brian in Saskatoon. Good morning, Brian. What's your question?
8: Good morning, guys. Love your show. Appreciate what you all do for us. Thank you. Um, I was wondering, my cucumbers, I'm a third-year gardener, this is the first year I've had this problem. Uh, I keep them, you know, fairly well fed with organic fertilizer. I uh, keep them well watered, especially on these hot days, but probably about half my cucumbers, they don't have a lot of girth to them, plus they seem to be growing in almost a circle, which makes them, of course, hard to peel, and uh, yeah, I just wonder what's going on there.
2: Yeah, curling like that usually has to do with weather and and watering, Mm -hmm. okay? So just a matter of making sure that uh, you know if it's if it's hot like that, or you have to just basically be cons- very consistent. Like we talked about earlier about the blossom end rot, you just got to be very consistent with the with the watering, and that that's the number one thing with any of those, the cucumbers, zucchinis, um, pumpkins, tomatoes, peppers, those kind of things. The watering is is critical. It's critical to make them not be either deformed, like you're getting, or you have blossom end rot, which is the brown-black ends on them, uh, all those kind of things. And it really goes right down to, like, it's not so much fertilizer, unless your fertilizer doesn't have calcium in it. If you have calcium in it, that's another thing that helps them uh, to be able to resist doing different things like that under extreme conditions. Uh, but number one is the watering, and um, you will get even tomatoes. They'll be just they'll get cat faced and everything else if you if you if you're not not right on the watering.
3: Yeah, I've been getting quite a few phone calls about deformed so fruit if, uh, this year.
8: So if you were to water them too much.
2: Yep. Did this happen? Yes, absolutely.
3: Yes, and in more so because we've been having really wet and then dry, wet, dry, wet, dry, especially with it, just the weather, not even just the watering. I'm getting lots of calls about deformed fruit this year.
8: Okay, and one quick question too. Um uh, my mom used to have a flood gun, you know what that is?
2: A flood gun, you said?
8: A flood gun, it's uh it's uh, like a canister with a plunger. You used to apply your uh Powder to your oh, cabbages. Yeah, and yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, okay,
2: I know, what you're talking about, yes?
8: And it makes it great to distribute it all. I phoned your guys' place, I phoned early, I phoned all over. And nobody seems to have them you know where you could get one
2: no, the problem is you might have to look online for or, or a garage sale or something like that because all the fungus all the the powders that we used to put them on with, like does or and rottenino and all those kind of chemicals that used to be around used be powder they 've taken all those powders off the market, so there 's no market for the canisters anymore so uh, it uh, honestly is looking at a garage sale or looking online and trying to find it. And under the antiques, or if
3: portion. you can bring one up from the states or something like
2: yeah, that too. Yeah, because I you probably can get them online from the states because we, they have them, They still sell those kind of things down the states, but in Canada they're all gone.
8: Yeah, they work pretty good. Yep. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Have Thanks a great great
1: day. day. All right, we're going to jump to Nadine in Macklin. Good morning, Nadine. What's your question? Good morning. I have a question, which is kind of out of season, anyway. This
9: spring. I had my hash cap berries, they were blooming. Yep. And they did not set one berry.
2: If they did not set one berry...
9: No, they didn't set... I I can't believe it. Yeah. It was was a little bit rainy then, and then we had a cold night. Yeah. They don't
4: usually care about the cold.
2: Not usually, but it just means you didn't get pollination then. And that's been an issue too. I mean, even around where I am, we got good pollination on the Saskatoons because my neighbor has two hives. So there's lots of bees, but there's been lots of people calling saying that there's been an issue with that, is that and not being pollinated properly. So. One thing you can do in the spring, if you're not sure about that, is you can be the bee. So you go around each flower and you, with a little Q-tip. Well, I wouldn't
9: be doing that, but you could shake the tree. Eh?
2: You could shake the tree. Yep. Yeah.
9: yeah, and the an interesting part was the um, waxwings came around and checked my trees out. They were very disappointed. <laughs> get and them and me who gets the berries? But this year they didn't get any. I didn't get any. But my Saskatoon's did set very well.
2: Good. Yeah, because the timing the timing is different, right? So yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Oh, well, good. Okay. I know what it is now. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. We are going to take a quick break for news, and then we'll get to Lori waiting on the line here. If you have any questions for Rick or Jill, you can give us a call or a text. It's all one number, 1-877-332-8255. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME.
0: 1-877-332-8255. Dig in. It's Garden Talk on 980-CJME.
1: morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Divendyke. You can give us a call or a text at one 332 8255 Lori has been waiting patiently on the line, so we'll jump right to Lori in Melville. Good morning, Lori. What's your question for Rick and Jill? I have
9: a potato patch that I think I have a fungus in them. Some of the leaves on the potatoes, on the plants are curled. And yet, some of the stalks are black and mushy, and some of the potatoes are mushy.
2: It sounds like you might have... Um, um, what am I looking for? Um, how come my mind just went out for it? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's, it's like called t- uh, potato and pota- tomato late blight. Late? Late blight. It's now the season for late blight. It's usually end of July and into right. August. And did it just start, or has he had, had it earlier in the season?
9: Well, the leaves on the plants started earlier, but the stalks now have just started to, like... Ha,
2: have the leaves turned brown or black at all?
9: No, no, they haven't.
2: Okay, well, that, that'd be late blight if the leaves started turning brown or black.
9: Yeah, some of them are yellow, like kind of died off, but when you pull some of the potatoes, like the stalks are black and mushy, like the stalks themselves, like...
2: Yeah, you have you have something in there that's that's causing.
3: It's a fungal. It's a
2: fungal, but it it doesn't sound like late blight because late blight your your leaves would turn and it would work across your whole patch of like a like a like a windstorm. You know, from one end it'll just work its way across like a fire.
3: Is your crop? Is the ground quite wet? Um. Yes, we haven't watered all. Just what Mother Nature's given us, so it's it is fairly wet. Yes. Yeah? Because the yeah.
9: water
2: mold could cause yeah. that as well. The water too. mold, yeah, you might be just a little bit too wet. If it's the stalks, especially the stalks just below the surface of the soil, is is it might been might have been a moisture issue there too. Because late blight is different. You you definitely see the, the stems turn black, but first of all, your your leaves would turn sort of brown first and then black.
9: Yeah, I mean it's not it's not all the plants. Like it's very sporadic. Like I've got about yep. three hundred and fifty hills. Yeah. So like it's sporadic, it's not like every hill.
2: Yeah. How many hills do you have, do you think?
9: Um, that are damaged? Yes. Um, probably I picked um probably about twenty, thirty.
3: Yeah. What I would do is I would pull those out. I would plants pull those out. Plants. Yep. Um, Just so that it doesn't spread, because with any molds, they spread by spores, right? But
2: but when you do that, you need to have a bag or garbage pail right in the garden, right in that spot, because you don't want to grab the plant and then walk across the garden with those plants, okay? Okay. You don't want to do that, because then you're just going to spread it all Mm -hmm. through the whole garden. Very important. Okay. Okay.
3: And then what you can do if, if it's, if when you're digging in there you find that it's just saturated, you can take, um, something and just sort of poke some holes around the plants just to get some air into that soil. And that will help aerate it to, to help the moisture. And you want to be disappear. for potatoes a
2: little farther out because yeah. you don't want to poke, you don't want to poke all shish your potatoes. Bob all your potatoes yet. So,
3: yeah. Yeah. And-
9: it kind of seems like some of them got too close together and the plants are big
2: and so it's oh, yeah.
3: quite close together. Then
2: that would be an issue too because then, then with the moisture, they don't have any air movement at all, right? Okay. And so they'd be too tight. So you have to if move. if you want
3: your... to prune some of the leaves off some of the plants, you could do that to yeah. get some more air movement too. Just thin, oh, okay. thin them out a bit.
2: But those ones, yeah. I wouldn't leave them in the soil, in the ground because they are just going to spread it more. So I would get rid of the ones that you're having problems with. Okay. Okay.
9: And what about next year?
2: Next year, do you have a big enough garden that you can change locations?
9: Uh, Yeah.
2: It, it, you need to go in a different location. If you go in the same location every year, that's when you're really going to have issues.
3: Okay, so what can I grow there next year?
2: Uh, anything. Legumes. Anything? Legumes, peas, beans, uh, corn, you know, carrots. I would
3: do anything that's an above-ground crop. Above-ground
2: crop, not below-ground. No no onions, no carrots, no potatoes, that kind of stuff. Okay? Okay.
1: Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Laurie. Yeah. All right, we will jump to Peter in Regina. Good morning, Peter. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Well, good
10: morning, Rick and Jill. Uh, thank you very much for your wealth of knowledge that you guys share with everybody across Canada. Uh, my wife and I have a Schubert chokecherry tree. And we've been looking at it the last few days. There's a bunch of cobwebs growing in it. Last year, I had to saw one of the branches because of a black knot. Yep. So that's the first part of the question, it's, uh, the same goes on with the little globe shrubs that we have planted along the side of the house, there's a bunch of cobwebs at the base, they grow over top, so first of all, what can we do with these cobwebs?
2: Well the cobwebs, I'm not really too concerned about them, because those are just a regular garden spider, and because uh, the webbing that I worry about is the fine webbing that you don't see. Okay, it's the webbing that's on the back side of the leaves and, you know, that that's called spider mite, okay?
3: And usually you'll see pitting in the leaves it's, when you see yeah, that. You'll or see just discoloration.
2: Yeah, you'll see all
10: the leaves have pitting in them and there's like okay. some big wrap around uh, webs that are going around the branches like these are getting big.
2: Yeah, the big wrap around ones is a is you got two spiders going on there and if they're pitted leaves, you got spider mite, but the big wrap around ones are, are just a regular garden spider and they're just using because your, your plants in trouble, it just makes more space for that, for that garden spider to be able to catch other bugs in their, in their Charlotte's web, I call it. Right? Right, So, but, uh, but otherwise you can just use, uh, you can spray them with malathion or you can spray them with, with, uh, endol okay andal yeah is more of an organic okay it's 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 basically uh uh set of soap canola oil and and, and a pyrethrin from the chrysanthemum
11: okay i'm and just it's, writing it down.
2: yeah or Andol. you can use or you can use malathion and uh you just need to be masked up and that kind of stuff for that one so either one you can use uh or okay. just even sp- spiders don't like to be sprayed with water all the time even if you just want to spray them with water every morning Right, they won't yeah. like. They won't like that. They'll they'll just they'll go somewhere else.
10: Okay. Well, I've been trying that, and it just that doesn't seem to be yeah. working. Yeah. I've got these webs all over the tree, so I'll probably go with the end all. Yep. Yeah,
2: go with the end all.
10: And then my other part of uh, my next question is: We've got another tree, and I don't know what I did with the tag with it, but it's an auburn tree. It's got these beautiful globe uh, seedlings that are on on all the branches, and they're auburn as well. But the trunk of the tree is white and it's peeling what do we do with that?
2: Um, if the trunk is white and peeling probably the best thing to do is just you know what send me a, send me a picture of it I at, thought so yeah okay. send me a picture to rick at dutchgrowers.com okay. and then I can take a look at it Sure, and then I can okay. tell you for sure what it is because just descri- just what you're describing. I'm not. It could be a couple things.
3: And send a okay. picture of the trunk, and then take a few steps back and send a picture of the entire tree, so we yep. can see how it's affecting Absolutely. the tree too. Yep,
10: we'll get that. So that's at Rick at DutchGrowers.com. Yep, exactly. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. You're Happy welcome. Happy Sunday to you, folks. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Thank
1: you. Bye bye. All right, we'll take a quick text here before we go to break. Uh, this is from Dorothy in Saskatoon. Um, it, th- their neighbor has a lot of portulaca. Portulaca. Port, Port That's the one yep. <laughs> along the property line. It's moving into their lawn. Uh, what can I spray uh, my grass with that won't kill or hurt the grass? I've been trying to pick it, but there's just too much of it.
2: Yeah, the best one for portulaca is probably a product called Weed Be Gone because it's an iron base. Okay. okay. It's not 24 dB, but it's an iron base of uh, one, so the iron will it seems to do the best one for that one. Um, but, but Percilac
3: is a trickier one. But otherwise
2: Percilac, if you cut it up, you do anything, it just makes more cuttings. So otherwise we used to always have to just pick it. I have a in the corner of my yard I just have a, I have a pail and you just leave that pail sit there or or an old pot or something like that. And every time you see a partial you pick it and you put it into that pot. Because if you just throw it on the ground, it'll re Okay. If you try to chop it up with a hoe, it'll reroot every little piece.
3: It's a mm. succulent. So w- yep. the way oh. succulents do is, if you cut them up, they callus over, yeah. and when they callus over, that's when they can reroot. So they're not like other yep. um, other plants where if you pull them out, they just dry out. When they need that soil. Yep. They mm-hmm. are succulents, so they hold that moisture in their leaves, and then they'll just reroot. And,
2: and if you just throw them on the ground upside down, even. They'll still, they'll still, they've really flowered. They'll still go to seed, and the seed will still spread. Okay. So that's why you pick them and you put them in a bucket, so then, or in a bag Move or something them like somewhere that. somewhere else. And then, you, so that they won't throw their seeds all over the place, and that's that's key. But wasn't um,
3: I getting paid like twenty five cents a bucket? When I was a kid? <laughs> Yeah. In this
2: economy we no. used to get ten, we used to, uh, when I was a kid you you got 25 cents when I was a kid I got Ooh, 10 cents inflation and my, right yes. my dad used to when we see we got a full bucket my dad used to come and step on the bucket and, and make sure it was make down, sure it was down You was need a up. little more
1: <laughs> Well we are going to take a quick break and then answer more of your questions on Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME
0: Growing Saskatchewan one yard at a time garden talk on 980 cjme call 1-877-332-8255
1: listening to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dijvendyk. Uh, we've had Barb waiting for us on the line here for quite a while, so we'll jump to uh, Barb in Estevan. Good morning. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Good morning. Good morning. Um, yes. We have um, removed
12: six evergreen trees. They're approximately 15-footers. Yep. We moved them a few miles away, and we planted them correctly, like we marked the north and whatever.
2: What time of the year Um, did you move them?
12: um, We moved them in the spring, I believe.
4: Okay.
12: And that was two years ago. Yep. And now all the needles on three of them are starting to turn super-duper brown and falling off. Yep. And at the base of the trees where you would maybe trim the bottom branches you've got that little stub hanging out yep that's all white yeah and it looks like a mold yep. what do i do
2: i um, sorry to say nothing
12: they're gonna die yep really they
2: didn't make the transplant
12: okay yep. so when does a person have to do the transplant
2: uh spring is spring or fall uh is okay. fine it's a matter of, it's it's really a hit and miss because you, did you move them with the machine?
12: Um, yes, we had a tree mover come yeah. do it.
2: So sometimes when you move them, like I said, it happens if you, some trees when they grow, they have a root that grows out one direction, right? Okay. And then yeah. you end up severing that one root they don't have a great root system that goes every single direction and as long as you leave them they're fine but as soon as you cut that one root then it doesn't have enough to sustain itself right and it, okay. it happens in uh like probably
3: in, say you have about a 70 percent success rate with them.
2: even more oh, than really? 70 yeah, like 90 90 95 you know okay and okay. usually it is but uh but i know it's uh, in our new in our subdivision where there's a lot of new houses they planted a lot of spruce trees and uh there's one, there's one, two, three acreages that lost like two or three of them each, right? right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, because uh, they put rows of them in, right? And so it was just, and that, it just, I attribute to that, is that 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 tree just happened not to be a good rooted tree, and okay. when they severed the roots with a tree spade, uh, because you got to remember, a tree spade is yep. wide at the top and it goes narrow down as it goes down, right? Exactly. And so yeah. it it's just a matter of a hit and miss. And sometimes you okay. can save those trees by just giving them tons of water, right? right. But you don't know that, that that is that tree, right? Right. Okay. So um.
12: So should we pull those dead ones out? Yeah,
2: they're not going to make it if they turn kind of yellowy brown and all the all the needles yep. turn. They they they're done.
12: Okay. So get them out of there and yep. try again next spring. Try again fall.
2: early next spring as if you can earlier you can as soon as the frosts out of the ground, so around the fifteenth of April. Okay. That's when you should try to do them the quicker the better. Because once they once they get closer to June, okay, that's when they put their new candles out. You don't want to be even near that spot.
12: Okay. Okay. All right. Sounds great. Thanks okay. for your time. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, okay. Barb. Bye.
1: We've had a few uh, texts on the text line here asking about fertilizing lawns and just sort of general lawn care. Um, one of them that I've seen a couple times pop up is can we still be fertilizing lawns?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, right now, especially with all the watering, with the heat you've been yeah. having, uh, there again, just like the container pots and everything else, they've lost you're, you're leaching all the nutrients out, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, fertilizing lawns. I like to fertilize the lawn in, in about Mother's Day around there, you know, beginning end of April to Mother's Day, and then you fertilize once, usually in around July, and so right, you know, in any time in July, so we can do it right now, yep. and then once in September.
3: Now, I usually there's like a spring fertilizer and then a fall fertilizer. Yeah. But one thing great, we've been switching a lot to the groundskeeper fertilizer, yeah. and it's good. It's to made use, locally
2: in, in Saskatoon. And it's
3: stable, so you can use it all the way through the entire year.
2: Yeah, it's only uh, 16 nitrogen. Yeah. So people say, well, I want to use a 32 or a 34 yeah. nitrogen in the summertime. Well, well the only thing about uh, groundskeeper is the reason why you don't need to do that for it because it has a 17 sulfur. Okay. and the sulfur lowers the pH so the plants the it, it makes the soil more efficient in giving the plants the nutrients when you lower the pH. Okay. And a lot of our soils have a higher pH. Not not everywhere. Yeah. In Saskatchewan, but a lot of places in Saskatchewan have a higher pH or or more of an alkaline type of a soil. And so this makes great. And you know what we have in Saskatoon right now?
3: Well, we like to support community events. Yes. So mm-hmm. There is the Knights of Columbus um, youth, youth camp. camps coming up. I think they're... They're all, at Blackstrap. They're yep. Blackstrap, August 6th and 7th. Yep. And so what we're doing now is a lot of um, businesses have been approached by Groundskeeper to donate $5 from each bag sold to go to those youth camps. So oh. right now, if you buy Groundskeeper in Saskatoon... Yeah, um, this is
2: only Dutch Grounds in Saskatoon that's doing this promotion. So.
3: Promotion right now, yep. uh, $5 of each of those bags. So if you need to want to support something local, um, Mm. come pick up a bag of groundskeeper and fertilize your lawn and get them nice and healthy and then support a great cause.
2: And then also at the same time at that youth camp that we're supporting on, what's the weekend? August 6th and 7th. August 6th and 7th. There's a big music festival out of Blackstrap at Mm -hmm. the camp. And they have free camping where you can put your campsite up and everything mm-hmm. else. And you, and like there's other whole bunch of artists there. Uh, I know the one that I know is Brad Joner and the Joner Boys. Yeah. They're awesome. And uh, <laughs> so local local family. And so they're going to be playing there as well, along with a whole bunch of other artists. So it's a great way to. All the money goes to support the camp as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then that that uh, and there's a lot a lot of people that go to that camp are, are kids that both both from from uh, a lot of kids that can't afford to go to camp normally. yeah, And so um, that's a great way to, to be able to support that kind of thing and is, the experience for that, for those kids is just amazing.
3: My it's, kids just got back from camp and my one daughter's working at camp and it's just
1: amazing to see what camp can yep. do into oh, a kid's yeah. life. Yeah, yep. Just the independence too, independence. like you get that little bit of freedom. Yep. <laughs> Every kid seems to love it.
2: So in Saskatoon, Dutch growers, if you want to support that, you can come and buy some groundskeeper for leisure.
1: Perfect. There you go. Um, we'll answer another text before we go to a quick break here. Um, this one is coming from Jane near Humboldt. We have a few newly planted trees, mountain ash and spring snow flowering crab apple, yep. and they've all got red spots on the leaves. Could this be a watering issue?
2: Yeah, normally red spots is a watering issue. Uh, so watch your watering. Um, use your piece of rebar. Now you gotta remember they're newly planted, so that's a little bit different than, than an existing tree. Mm-hmm. Existing tree, you poke your e-bar at the drip line of the tree. And a newly planted tree, it always takes at least a month for the roots to get out of the root ball that it came in in the pot, out into the existing soil. So you need to probe two places. One to the bottom of the planting hole, okay. outside that root ball. Because to see if there's, if you've overwatered the, the, if you dig a hole into clay, you actually dig a bowl. Okay. And and over water, the bowl will fill up from the bottom up, obviously, right? Yeah. And so you won't even know, you know, 12, 16 inches down, whatever size of pot you had, you know, that it's sitting in water. Mm -hmm. So you use the rebar because the rebar has little ribs on the side and it brings a sample up. It's a cheap little tool. Yeah. And get them anywhere, and so you put the rebar down in the in the soil that you planted around the ball down to the bottom of the planting hole. See how that's moist. It should be just moist, not wet. If it's wet, aerate. Poke a bunch of holes all around, and then you need to take the rebar, the other end of the rebar, flip it around, and stick it because it's a dry end. Yeah. Stick it in right into the root ball itself. Okay. Because sometimes what will happen was really hot. The soil around the root ball will be wet, but because the sun is, has all these leaves on the tree, mm-hmm. this, the sun will just dry that, suck all the moisture right out of that root ball uh, to support the tree. And so the roots are not down to the soil, can't get it. So he says, the soil's wet. Well, the soil's wet, but the root ball's dry. I just did that to, for another customer the other day. Is that they said, I've been watering it. So I, said, I went to, when did you plant it? Well, it's just two weeks ago. Okay, I pulled the plant right out of the hole. Right out of the hole. Oh, wow. And uh, they said, Oh, what are you doing? I says, It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. It hasn't ruined it yet. Pulled it out. I pulled it, and the bottom half of the root ball was totally bone dry. Oh, wow. Like dust. And so then I just, we replanted again. I said, okay, now we need to water the root ball.
3: And sometimes building like a little well around your new tree so yes. that you can fill that up with soil, with water, water and then let it leach down into the soil. Because a lot of times we'll water and the water just runs off right around the plant. Mm-hmm. So building that little well around And you're watering really
2: every day and it's spreading out over three or four feet mm-hmm. and you're only going down maybe an inch and a half into the yeah. soil.
1: All right. We are going to take a quick break for news, and then we'll get back to more of your questions. Janice, just hold on the line. We'll uh, chat with you in a couple minutes. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.
0: Two green thumbs up. Garden Talk. Call 1-877-332-8255 on 980 CJME.
1: You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyke from Dutch Growers. If you have any questions, you can give us a call at one 332 We've had Janice waiting patiently on the line through the news break, so we won't make you wait any longer. Janice, what's your question for Rick and Jill? I uh,
9: use some old feedlot soil. For amending a garden and where the soil was not mixed in very well I got no seed germination and my new strawberries the leaves are going yellow with green veins so I didn't uh, I was a little confused whether or not that was a nitrogen issue or iron issue or
2: well, it sounds like you might have a pH issue um, oh. uh, so and that has to do with the type of soils you had there, right? So, um, and so it might be a pH issue. So the plants aren't, at, even though you put lots of nutrients in there, they're not being able to be efficiently take them up, because your okay. your green yellow leaves with the veins like that, that means they're lacking iron. Okay, but right. lacking iron is you can you can rectify that by putting iron in the soil. But really, the problem is is your pH. And okay, so if you can so lower, and, and so you have to look at, do a test with your, get a test kit, and you can do a, a, a test at your, at your, at your home. Um, and which you just need to get some distilled water, okay? Which you, you, a lot of times you won't get it where you get the test kits. So go to your pharmacy, get just some distilled water, because if you use tap water, it'll throw your results away out of whack, okay? So get okay. distilled water and get a test kit, the pH test kit. And uh, you can even get a test kit that has nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and pH, okay? And then if you want right. you can test all three at the same time or all four at the same time. And then you'll be able to find out what the real issue is there. And uh, number one, I think what you do is you have a pH issue and then you have to either lower your pH or up your pH.
3: So add some okay? sulfur or do, aluminum add, sulfate.
2: Uh, aluminum sulfate or sulfur, probably what you'd be doing most likely because you'll be probably too high of a pH. But if, if for some reason that, that manure that you got is somehow, uh, it's, dro- it dropped your pH way down, then you might have to add some lime to raise the pH. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you'll just need to check that pH, and once you do that, you'll you'll be able to answer a lot of your questions right there.
9: Do you think that uh, if I do that, the, the strawberries will be okay, or is that just that's the growth and, and that? Well,
2: it? no, you, you'll have, you'll you'll need to rectify it, and it will, once you rectify it, your tr- strawberry should turn around. Okay.
3: Yeah, so it might just be adding a little bit of lime around those strawberry patches or adding some aluminum sulfate. Yeah. Um, but you'll, you'll need to know what your pH level is before you yeah. can do that because it's just they're not taking no. up the nutrients you
2: need. Or what you may have to do is you, if, if, if you may have to move the strawberries, not now, obviously, but you may have to move the strawberries wherever you did this and you might have to summer fall that area for, for next season. Okay. Oh. So just work it up so that you're mixing that, that all those nutrients more efficiently through the whole garden rather than just getting pockets of strong and then weak, strong and then weak, you know. And right. uh, you might have, a, like I said, if it didn't get mixed really well, then you might have a pocket where it was just too heavy for the strawberries.
9: Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Okay. Thank you very much for your help, your, okay. your great wealth of knowledge. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Okay.
1: All right, we have a few texts that we can get to here. Um, this one is from Bailey. We're on an acreage and have issues with grasshoppers. We've been applying Eco Brand, which helps. Yep. But would uh, that be your best suggestion for controlling them in the garden?
2: Yeah, Eco Brand probably is your best one because they'll come and they'll eat it right. And, okay. Um, but otherwise, you can you can spray. Um, um, like, end all on, in, but you have to actually hit the bugs, right, with okay. it. So, uh, otherwise you can use things like, um, um, bug X or the new name for ambush. Um, uh, you can use that too, but you have to watch the label. Whatever you use, you have to watch the label, like, like the eco brand, you can't use right in the vegetable garden. Okay. You can use around the perimeter of the garden, but you can't use it right in the vegetable garden. It says right on the label. Mm-hmm. So people have to read the labels. That's so important. They Did to... you
3: know as well, grasshoppers do not like garlic. So yeah. uh, you could also spray that uh, that garlic spray the, that they were oh, talking yeah.
2: about. The, the mosquito barrier.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, keep the mosquitoes well.
2: away. Keep the keep the uh, grasshoppers away too.
3: Multi-purpose.
2: There you
1: go. <laughs> uh, we have Sharon waiting on the line for us. Uh, good morning, Sharon. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Uh,
13: good morning. Good morning. Uh, my tomato plants are um, a mixture now of flowers, some starting uh, to grow, some little ones, and a lot of uh, because uh, we've had a. May uh, nice big green oh, about a week ten days ago, a lot of leaves that um, are getting are very large, and i've nipped some of them off. I just wonder how much nipping and exactly what I should be nipping off in
3: terms of the leaves now the best thing you can do is i just to see a picture of what to to nip off, so your leaves are going to grow at the main stalk and then you're going to have some larger leaves coming out, and then you're going to see some leaves coming through the center of those two. those are the ones that you 're going to want to pinch off um so uh, your indeterminate varieties, which are the varieties that have usually a longer amount of days to the maturity and they grow tall, tall vining tomatoes. So are the ones that you're going to want to trim and prune. And if you even want to just Google that, like how to prune tomatoes, it will show you a diagram of how to do that as well. If if you're not... Also think about
2: prune more on the north and east side of the of the plant because the sun's oh. not so hot. And don't prune as much on the south or west side of the plant because that's where pr- the leaves are actually protecting the mm-hmm. fruit from the hot sun. Okay? Ah! Okay.
3: Right on. Yeah, but just also keep in mind that you do have some plants. You said that you have some that have fruit on them, some that don't. And that's really good. And when you're, um, when you're, ha- when you're choosing your tomato plants, you want to choose some with different germination dates so that you can have some fruit all the way along so that your fruit aren't, isn't all coming at once. So, um, you, you probably do have some fruit that's like 60 days, some that's at like 80, yes, some 90 yes, and some yes. 120. So you are yes, going to get do. fruit all the way along the way.
13: Yes. Yeah, I play around with uh, trying a few different varieties every year and start a few on my own. <laughs> but anyway, Perfect. I enjoy. I enjoy. Uh, it's a great, um, a great hobby. It's great. It is a great, great hobby. Great
2: therapy. A great, great <laughs> way to spend the day in the garden and or the in the evening yeah. in the garden. Just to once you're done work and or just done with your daily chores of the day, and it's just a relaxing time. I
3: always love to hear feedback on the different tomato varieties and how they do in your garden as well. So if you oh, yeah. uh, now is the time of year where I'm choosing my plants of which I'm going to be growing in my greenhouse for my customers too. So right now, if you guys have any um, any varieties that you just loved or you're excited about or doing good, take a picture of the plants, send them to jill at dutchgrows.com, and I'd love to get yeah. feedback for next year as well.
13: You know, I'd love to give you that information, but I'll tell you, usually I keep a, a map of the tomatoes so I know which ones are in which spot, yep. and mm-hmm. I number them, yep. uh, like on a sheet of paper. Yep. And for some reason, I went and threw away that sheet of paper, and I I'm, I'm my wit's in because some of the plants that did look fairly nice were um, Ace fifty five and Bonnie Best, and then of course your Beefsteak. Yep. Um, and um, but anyway, um, I last year I tried um, Ar- Arctic something or other,
3: and I wasn't I wasn't happy with them. And probably the subarctic maxi, I'm guessing. Yeah, there's yeah, so, there's so many different great yeah. varieties. So yeah. I'm excited that yeah. you're excited about tomatoes, and uh, and I like the fact that you keep a journal. too. Oh, uh,
13: I, I I tried Cherokee this year as well, and uh, I haven't. Uh, I'm not sure how they're going to turn out. This is my first time trying Cherokee. Perfect. Amazing. Uh, it's it's um, indeterminate.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Nick, you know what you know what I, you know what I do? I'm, in I'm I'm lazy. I'm very lousy with paper. I lose paper all the time. So what I do is I'll write it on a piece of paper, and I'll take my cell phone out, and I'll take a picture of the piece of paper, and then I never lose it.
4: (laughs) Oh, great idea. Hey, there you
13: go. Rick's tip of the day. there you go. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Sharon. Thank you very much.
1: We are going to take a quick break, and then we'll get back to more of your questions on Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and Mm 980-CJME. 1-877-332-8255.
0: Dig in. It's Garden Talk on 980 CJME.
1: listening to garden talk on 650 ckom and 980 cjme i'm aaron mcnutt here with rick and jill van divendijk from dutch growers if you have a question for jill or rick you can give us a call at one 332 it's been a busy august long weekend lots of people thinking of gardening and uh, myrtle has been waiting very patiently for us so we will jump to myrtle in birch hills good morning myrtle what's your question for rick and jill
14: good morning good morning our corn leaves are dry on the tips of the bottom bottom so we're wondering why like our corn leaves are dry on the tips on the bottom leaves
4: yep
14: they we, we're wondering why it's, they've been we've had lots of moisture yep. and the plants are quite large
2: so and we're wondering why two things that would cause the brown leaves, uh, especially around and the these base, are dry dry leaves. Yeah, dry leaves. Two things would cause them. Obviously, is inconsistent watering, so either being too wet or too dry. Okay, uh-huh. number uh-huh. one, and the other one could be is which cause brown or yellow in leaves there at the bottom is lack of potassium.
14: Lack of what?
2: Potassium.
14: Okay.
2: Okay. Uh-huh. So that that's two things that that you, that could cause that. Uh-huh. So. Uh-huh. A lot of times, it's either too wet or too dry. Okay, mm-hmm. that'll—that's number one. That's the one number one reason, okay. mm-hmm. and that's what we see in Saskatchewan a lot because of our weather. Right? It's—it's mm-hmm. it's either raining or it's really hot. <laughs> so. And so just watching consistency and also you gotta remember, uh, corn are, are hungry, are hungry plants. They, uh-huh. they, they like especially a compost type of a soil. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember when I worked when I was younger way out in BC, this, this, uh, corn grower in the spring. It was brutal because I was working in the field next to this corn field and they put turkey manure, like chicken and turkey manure, and oh, there was just sure? feathers, and it smelt. Oh, they put so <laughs> much. I mean, the, the, the honey wagon would get stuck in some of the low spots. They put so much on the fields. <laughs> so, was that good for the corn? Oh, yeah, so that was good. The, the I mean, this was a big field, and they get, the one thing about on BC where I was working is that they get lots of moisture, so it leaches all of it out like crazy, right? Uh, I wouldn't use that hot and heavy here in Saskatchewan because hey, we're just too...
14: Or, you yep. know every two weeks with miracle grow is that good
2: that's good but the problem with miracle grow is you only got nitrogen phosphorus potassium right do you uh-huh. try a, a vegetable fertilizer because what it'll it, just a ve- any kind of vegetable fertilizer okay that the, the miracle grow is more of a uh, broad-based general purpose fertilizer okay mm-hmm. but go with an organic based fertilizer because you, now you're going to get your zinc and magnesium mm-hmm. your boron all your other types of micronutrients which you mm-hmm. don't get from miracle grow okay. okay is
14: this what we should do with other plants when you use Miracle
4: Grow?
2: Yeah, actually, okay. change, switch up your Miracle Grow to more of an organic uh, vegetable fertilizer, mm-hmm. and you'll do a lot better, and you won't have those type of issues like
3: you're having right now. Yes,
14: okay, and we ha- on our tomato plants, the leaves are
3: kind of c- curly. What would cause that? Again, probably yep. inconsistent watering.
2: Yep. Curling okay. is cur- right. Curling and cupping is inconsistent watering.
3: Right.
14: Okay. and you know my my husband planted a, an apple tree about 3 years ago yep. the branches like they were it was always a little bigger at the top than the bottom of the of the tree yep now the leaves are Small at the bottom and not, and not very big, but they're quite big at the top. What can he do to get the leaves to grow to come back at the to come at the bottom?
2: Just uh, thin th- next in the fall. Okay, yeah. once you once the leaves fall off or early spring, which is the first week of April, uh-huh. just thin. Don't don't cut all the branches off the top, but thin them. Okay. I- okay. But do like be
14: like just in um,
2: the. Yep. So okay. j- just thin them out. So you got where where the forked where two branches forked yes. out of the top. Take one of them, but leave one of them.
14: Okay. And what okay. about the
2: bottom? And the bottom just just leave the way they are. Just okay. get more light and more energy producing into okay. the bottom. Sure. And then also using a fruit and berry fertilizer. Okay. In mm-hmm. the spring, in the spring, for those as well, mm-hmm. will help a lot.
1: Okay.
2: Okay. Thank
11: you so much. You're
1: welcome. Good morning. All right, we have Joe in Prince Albert on the line. Good morning, Joe. What's your question for Rick and Jill?
11: Hi, guys. Um, I have some gorgeous hollyhocks that are about nine feet tall that are growing against the south side of my house. Yep, amazing. I have, yeah, they're beautiful. I have two uh, a bed of delphiniums in sort of a in a garden area. They're stand alone, and then I have delphiniums growing against a shed, and those are about seven feet tall. Awesome. Um, but what happens, we get a little bit of a wind, um, yep. and I think because of the height of both plants, they're starting to kind of lean. Yep. Um, I have trimmed them back the best I can, but I'm wanting to know for next year if there's some way that I can stunt their growth a little bit? No,
2: just at the stake them.
3: Not necessarily stunting their growth, but there is something you can get. You can get some peony rings, and that's the best ones that I find, and put them just above the plants um, in the early spring so that when they grow, they grow up through the peony rings. And what the peony rings is, they're big circles, and then they have a grid through them as well.
2: Yeah, there's, a, there's not just the circle ones. The peony ones just have a great circle, if you get the the plant support ones that look like a peony hoop, but they have a grid pattern in the middle, mm-hmm. those are used for things like delphiniums and those kind of things, hollyhocks.
3: And so the plant's going to grow up through them and it's going to give them a lot more support um, so that you're not going to have as many of these problems with them snapping off in the wind and things like that.
11: Sure. Is there? Is it? Does it hurt to sort of try to stake them back at this point?
3: Oh no, definitely stake them back. I know lots of people. You'll see at this time of year, they'll actually have almost a little hook on one end of the fence and on the other end of the fence, then a big string that goes around um, at different levels, and that will definitely help keep them keep them up and sturdy as well.
2: We sell. We sell this time of the year. We sell lots of little bamboo stakes. Lots (laughs) Lots of of them.
4: Yeah.
3: Uh,
11: Okay. Um, Just as a note, um, as I was trimming them back, I. I used uh, some of the delphinium, uh, uh, what I trimmed off. They hadn't uh, budded yet, but I put them into, made a flower arrangement, and I was really happily surprised that the delphiniums actually bloomed uh, inside the house. Yeah, so they're a
3: great cut flower, and they last a really long time, and you can pick them early, and then the blooms will open inside the house, and then you can enjoy them for a longer time, too.
11: Lastly, should I even attempt to cut off some of the top of these plants?
3: Yeah, you definitely can. You can cut off the tops of them. Just know that you're cutting off the tops of them. They're probably not going to rebloom again this year. Um, so you're cutting them off just to enjoy them in the house of the cut flower it, at this it's point just in
2: time. It's no different than the cut flowers. Everybody does a cut flower and it doesn't hurt the rest of the plant, right? So it's no different than cutting the top off. Yeah. And, uh, and, and in, in
3: the-, the fall or the spring, you're going to cut them down to the ground anyways because they're perennials. They come up from the base.
11: Okay. Now, is, is there any harm with leaving a little bit of, say, the canes in place that, again, to try to give the new plants uh, support?
3: Yeah. Well, I usually wouldn't do that with my perennials just because they're going to get so weak and soggy in the wintertime yeah. and they're wow. not going to be sturdy enough to hold up anything next spring. Yeah,
2: yeah trim, trim them right down.
11: Okay. Well, thanks a lot, you guys. Have a good weekend. Okay. You, you too, as well.
1: John. Thanks. Bye. Bye now.
2: Now, some of those, some of those, those those, what you can do with some of those stalks and canes, especially for hollyhocks or even raspberry canes Mm -hmm. and those kind of stuff, you can bundle, cut them up into about, about six, eight-inch long lengths. Okay. Bundle them up, right, and and and, in with string. And then it is a bundle and put them into your garden and keep them for next year because those things, those kind of things uh, what happens is they have hollow centers to them a lot of times. And now your leaf cutter bees and all your pollinators will use that as a nesting area
3: or a ladybug house
2: or a ladybug house. Mm-hmm. And so those are pollinating insects or insects that keep the uh, other insects that eat other insects. Mm-hmm. And so now you're making habitat for them and people, how many people called in text today yeah. saying they had bad pollination.
1: I was just going to say, we've had a lot of texts just right. about people with, their gardens having yep. issues with, you know, not really getting much. Per- nothing's
3: really happening. Yeah. So, <laughs> and that's something that we're learning more and more about. I just got back from Ohio, and the amount mm-hmm. of courses that we took about beneficial insects, yep. and there's more and more we're learning about every year so, that we have the ability to control lots yeah. of insects by just drawing the right insects and in. And the
2: pollination part, leafcutter bees. Get some yeah. leafcutter bees in the spring and then put have them have in habitat. They're, 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 they don't, they're not aggressive bees. They're not worried. People worry about, I'm going to get stung. I'm yeah. going to get stung. Uh, not leafcutter bees. Um, they're, they're not that
1: interested in They're not
2: enough. that interested in <laughs> They want to go and pollinate and they're very efficient pollinators too. So.
1: Mm-hmm. News anyway. for Riser right. Door Services. We are going to services. take a quick break for news and then get back to more of your calls and questions. You can give us a call at one 332 8255 This is Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME.
0: Growing Saskatchewan one yard at a time. Garden Talk on 980-CJME. Call one 877 Three three two eight two five five.
1: Good morning, thank you for joining us for Garden Talk on your August long weekend. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Divendijk from Dutch Growers. If you have any questions, you can give us a call at one 332 8255 Ian has been waiting for us patiently through the break here in Saskatoon. Good morning, Ian, what's your question for Rick and Jill?
5: Hi, uh, good morning, Erin. Good morning. Um, I have a question about uh, making a new perennial bed. When you buy the perennials, um, like the ones I've chosen, you know, have, I've kind of bought them for different texture as well as the the color of the leaves. Mm -hmm. So when you put them in the ground, um, you know, the tags will say 18 to 24, 24 to 30. Is there, uh, is it the best to go with the higher number for distance or can you kind of crowd them a little with the lower number?
4: Well,
3: I would probably go halfway between. I would go halfway between the big number and the little number just because we do live in Saskatchewan so our winters are going to get some winter kill on those plants every year and they're going to take a while for them to get to their maximum size. Um the other thing when I'm developing my perennial I um plot i will put my perennials down and sort of lay them all out and then i'll take circles and i'll draw circles around each each plant that shows the maximum size that they have so that i can sort of see how they're going to grow into each other um and then you can kind of move them around that way that's that's what i find is the best way to for success when you're spacing your perennials but i would say if it's like 18 to 24 i would more go like that 20 inches does that make sense
5: yeah, it does. And that's a good idea with the circle. Uh, one last question. There. So when you plant your your perennials and you mulch them, you know, I think three inches, Yeah. Um, and then when you get to the fall and you cut them down, yes. do you still add a layer of mulch or leaves or something over top for the winter or is that three inches enough?
3: I think that that should be suffice, um, just pushing that mulch back over top yeah. of them. The big thing is, is in the spring, make sure you pull the mulch back away from the plant again so that they can the ground can warm up and yeah. those plants are going to start going. The other thing is, is the perennials, if you keep that mulch too tight around the neck, it's going to cause those perennials from spreading as much. So if you want mm. them to get bigger, faster, pull that mulch back around so it ha- leaves room for those perennials
2: so, to grow up. So right up against the stems, only leave a, maybe an inch and a half up against the stems, okay? Whereas okay. in between the perennials, then you go up to three inches.
3: And l- watch your zone on some of your perennials. If you're doing like a zone four on some of those perennials, then you'll want to pile some extra mulch on top of them too. Yeah, I noticed that
5: there's some perennials that are that are grown or that's say uh, 3 and 4, but, mm-hmm. they, uh, but it says they can go down to minus 34 or 40. Yeah. And yeah. that kind of surprised me. Yeah.
3: yeah, so with those ones, I would just sort of mound the mulch up on top of yeah. those ones.
5: All right. Thank you very much okay. to both of you. Great show. Thank you. You're, You're welcome. welcome.
1: Thanks for calling. Uh, we have Dave on the line from Kipling. Good morning, Dave. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Well, good
5: morning. Yeah, I've got a few patches of dead grass that I've been struggling with trying to get seeds you know, new seed to, to come up, and I've never had a problem before. Um, what I've done is I've got an old compost pile here. We're on an acreage. An old compost pile is just, you know, great-looking dirt. Yep. But what kind of dirt it is, you know, inside, I don't know. And I've never put fertilizer down with new seeding. So I just, it's it's really patchy, really light. I usually put some oats down on it to try and kick-start it, but I don't know, this time it's just not working for me.
2: Okay. So if it's a new patch, if it's having trouble with your patch, there could be something wrong with that soil, whether there's not much topsoil there or it could be an alkaline patch or whatever, okay? So if you want to, the first thing you can do is just do a, a pH test of that of that area. If you do that first, then you'll find out. What I did with mine, because I have high the what I'm using my water I'm using from the lake is high alkalinity, so I put some groundskeeper fertilizer with my seed because I'm putting some sulfur in. I'm lowering the pH, and then my grass just took off like crazy. Okay. Really? okay. So uh so, and that's because I knew what the problem was going to be is the alkalinity. It was it wasn't, I wasn't going to have great germination with that kind of alkalinity. So, by putting mm-hmm. the sulfur down, I I I remedied that. So, checking the pH of the soil, number one of that area. Okay. okay. And then what you may have to do is, if you want to take some of that soil you have from your compost, is mix it half and half with straight topsoil, and okay. then put a little layer over top of that, then seed into that.
5: Right. And can you just pick up pH? kits, like a litmus test or something
2: like that? Yeah, pH kits you can pick up at any garden center, any place that has uh, even the entire doesn't matter, whatever, they all have usually have pH kits. The key is is getting some distilled water, don't use tap water to, to do the test with. Okay. Okay.
10: That's great. Well, thank you very much. We'll You're welcome. Get her going. Okay. Have a good day. Yeah.
1: Bye. All right, we have a question from Doug from Watson. What causes corn leaves to roll up and choke growth leaves?
2: usually corn, usually when things roll up, I mean, there's two things, insects. Mm -hmm. Okay. but The other, the other one is just like we've had, it's, it's like a, sorry, I'm sounding like a broken record here (laughs) is, is, is the consistency of water. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge one. And, and the last bunch of years in Saskatchewan, it's been an issue uh, because we've either had drought or we've had rain and we've had, and so you, now you're watering by hand, you're trying to, okay, trying to determine how much water you're going to give it. So you give it some water and then you quit for a while and then and I think I'm doing it right. And then it's you know it's wet, dry, wet, dry. And mm-hmm. that's when we get all the types of curling leaves and everything so else.
3: What the, the leaves are actually doing by curling is they're trying to avoid that transpiration of water.
4: Yep. And okay. so
3: they're curling up to sort of reserve that water. So if we can keep them like moist and yep. nice and wet, then they're not going to do that as much. Yep. So they're, they're kind of just going into protection so, mode. Yeah,
1: trying to protect so, themselves a little so bit. So get
2: yourself a moisture meter or get yourself a piece of rebar or whatever because you can't tell by the surface of the soil. I yep. can't even go to your yard and say... By, by, if I went into someone's yard and saying, they asked me, am my watering enough? I says, um, I don't know. Let me check. Let me check. I'll have to <laughs> probe the soil. And you got to remember, you got to get your finger into the soil and actually probe the soil down an inch and a half at least. Mm-hmm. Okay? You're not just checking the surface soil. And even under mulch, everything else. People say, well, i got it mulched, and I water, all this kind of stuff. And, and also watering the time, time of day is, is okay. important. Water in the mornings. Okay, so just when the sun's up so the, so the leaves can dry, mm-hmm. yeah, you don't want to be watering. People say, well, it's so hot, I don't want the water to evaporate, so I'm watering at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Well, then that water sits on the leaves all night, and then that's when you get big issues as well, especially with and mildew.
1: Okay. So you can't, okay. kind of, not evaporate per se, but you want it to have that water through the warmest yeah. part of the day. So
2: so the sun comes up in the summertime really early, right? Uh-huh. So set your timers. If you got a timer, set it to come on at 6 o'clock or 6.30 or 5 o'clock yeah. or whatever. Then the sun will come up, dry the leaves off, and then you'll be good. But don't set it for 10 o'clock at night.
1: Makes sense. Um, we have Monty from Purdue. Good morning, Monty. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Good morning. Um,
5: I hear you talk about the emerald ash borer. Is it still all right to be planting ash trees?
2: Uh, I never never want to stop planting any species, especially in Saskatchewan, but I just would never monoculture. I would never plant all the same plant, whether it be ash, linden, maple, I don't care mix them up because if something new bug comes through like this emerald ash borer is a new bug Mm -hmm. the problem with emerald ash borer is that it now i just heard a report like it's becoming from east to west okay i just heard a report i read a report the other day that is they found it in oregon Mm -hmm. so that means that some camper hauled some firewood across the country and now dropped it off there now it's not going to take long for it to go across the whole country Um, what
5: would be good alternative to that
2: linden to the Linden, maples, okay, oak, yep. oak tree. There's there's lots like uh, honestly alder. There's all kinds of trees out there, but just don't plant all the same type of tree.
5: For sure. And one other question: I have a true North American linden here. Yep. that I planted a year ago. Yep. And the bottom leaves started turning brown. Now they're all brown. Is, could that be too much water?
2: It could be too much or not enough.
5: Not okay. Yeah. yeah
2: it, it honestly, they'll do the exact same thing under both conditions.
5: Okay, no, perfect. Thank
2: okay.
1: you very much. Okay. Thanks, Monty. Yep, yep. okay, bye. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to answer more of your questions. You can give us a call or text at 1-877-332-8255. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.
0: Two green thumbs up. Garden Talk. Call one 332 8255 on 980 CJME.
1: Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendijk from Dutch Growers. You still have time to get your questions in today. You can give us a call at 1-877-332-8255. We have a lot of text to get through here, so maybe we'll do a bit of a, a rapid fire. <laughs> Um, This one is coming from Jeff in Deer Valley. I'm wondering if you could provide some tips on how to keep mule deer away from my Swedish aspen trees. They're six feet tall and my sour cherry trees are also being affected.
2: It's called a seven foot ten fence.
1: Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> Create a that, that, that scarecrow sprinkler works really
3: yeah,
2: good and actually the, the scarecrow for the summertime it works good, but it, I think he's have, probably having trouble in the wintertime as well. So mm-hmm. but the summertime it's called a scarecrow sprinkler. That works awesome. Okay. And it works you hook it up to garden hose and it has a motion detector on so as soon as the either you or the deer come by it sprays them, right? And oh, scares okay. them away. Works awesome. You see that up in Lake Country a lot. People use it all the time. Keep the deer out of the yard. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, putting a fence. Um, you can use the Bobex or the, or the Critter Ridder, or there's some other ones out there that uh, plant skill that you can spray around that have a concoction of hot peppers and and um, and um, uh, garlic and everything else that oh. they don't like. But they don't doesn't stop in the wintertime. So other than that, just make sure you get a yourself a an outside dog, a good German Shepherd. <laughs> and
3: it actually really does help. Some oh, huge! He has a larger dog on yep. an acreage or something like yeah. that. It especially will keep them. Especially
2: an outside dog that spends a lot of time outside, and so a little more of a longer hair dog. Mm. Um, those deer won't come around. They they just they know it's
1: someone else's turf. Yeah,
2: they're they're gone. Mm. Um, so just a matter of training your dog to stay on your yard and and uh, there's lots of products for that now too even mm-hmm. uh, i have a i have a gps collar for my dog and she's trained now to stay in my yard she doesn't go off at all mm-hmm. and um um uh, so it um so yeah that's the best way is either fence the yard if you want total to stop i around the whole nursery and the nursery i had 80 acres around mm-hmm. it's seven just under eight feet yeah and that's what anything lower than that they'll jump over
1: that's pretty much the only thing you can do yep all right. Okay. Um they they're also curious um, the damage that's already been done on the lower parts of the trees is there a chance that they'll recover oh, from yeah, that? They'll be fine. Just need to get the yep. deer away. <laughs> get the deer
2: away. Yeah, and they'll keep coming. Um, and and especially mule deer, they're little docile cells they're not scared of people as yeah. much and as as mule deers will take off right away, but uh, they do a lot of damage. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we have a question from Donna in Saskatoon. Is it too late to trim or prune mugo pines mugo pines
2: yeah mugo pines uh, you can now is the time to prune all pines, maples, birches, and pines right now this is now the time perfect time to prune maple birches because always they 'll bloom in the spring they'll bloom. Bleed in the spring.
3: <laughs> we got
4: some blooming mugo pine New variety. No, 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 no.
2: They'll bleed. So this is the time of the year. So they, they'll heal over and they won't bleed next year. So mugo pines, you can prune them. Uh, just remember, you can only prune mugo pines. So you can still see the green. If you trim okay. them right down to so you, you know the bottom part, there's just sticks. Yeah. It, they're done. They won't come back. Okay. Okay. So um, I just ripped out some that. My mule deer trimmed my <laughs> mule pines two years in a row right mm-hmm, down. Mm-hmm. And so I just ended up just the other day, we ripped them out, and now we're going to start again. Oh. And so this time we'll have to put a good fence around them. But they, <laughs> I, they just weren't going to take too long to come back to look nice yeah. again. So just remember if you're trimming them, the mule pines, trim them so that you've still got lots of green and they'll be fine.
1: All right. Um, this one is coming from Michelle in Melville. I have a spirea that's leaves are turning a pale yellow, almost white. The veins on the leaves are a darker green.
2: Yeah, so you're lacking, lacking iron in your nutrients, so okay. um, so also, also you're probably a high pH so the plants aren't taking up the nutrients, okay? So add some
3: aluminum so sulfate. So add
2: some aluminum sulfate, most likely, that's nine times out of ten, that's what I've been doing and uh, And then also fertilize um fertilize those plants uh with a, a good organic fertilizer because it has all the other micronutrients in it, okay, just for that case, I wouldn't just use thirty ten ten. I would use more of an organic fertilizer to get all the other nutrients in there as well
1: all right um we have a question from Gary doesn't mention where they're from, but uh says that they're being overrun with broadleaf weeds. It's had a good water once a week and was fertilized late in the spring.
2: Is this lawn or what is this?
1: I'm not sure. It just says broadleaf weeds. Okay. So,
2: so I'm not sure. if it's Your the- guess is as good as mine. Yeah, I'm not sure that one, whether it's in the, in, if it's yeah. in the lawn, uh, you can... You can give it another shot of fertilizer, but then also use the, um, you can use a couple things. You can use three things. One, you can use either KLX or you can use Weed Be Gone, which is an iron base if someone okay. don't want to do the 2,4 D. And you can also use corn gluten to stop the weed seeds in your lawn from germinating. Now you can't use corn gluten in the garden. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you can use that. And if it's in the garden, uh, there's not too many things other than with the old, uh winged weeder or hole that you go through the garden and just keep it clean or otherwise put a mulch down in the garden between okay. the rows and that way you'll keep the weeds down that way.
1: All right. Um this one is coming from William in Regina. Is there anything I can do to deter mushrooms in my lawn? They don't grow in a ring, just randomly pop up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So there's it's growing on compost. So deep thatch your lawn in, this, in in the spring or whatever to get your lawn air rate. Uh, get some oxygen into the soil. Uh, they're growing on a root or an old piece of two by four or something. They're something growing in on the or, a, or a lot of thatch. Okay, so then also if you have certain areas that the always keep coming back, add some compost accelerator to it, which you using normally you use in your compost. Mm-hmm. That'll help break down. Uh, otherwise, if you don't mind the mushrooms, just leave them. Okay. Because they actually help break down what organic matter they're feeding on quicker, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but otherwise, if you don't want, most people don't want the mushrooms, then aerate, fertilize, and put some compost, accelerate around in those areas, and that will help. Uh, I
3: have an area in my yard where the subhum comes out, so it's nice and wet, yep. but before there used to be a big tree there, right there. too, so mm-hmm. I always have this one area that gets Mushrooms. mushrooms.
2: And it could (laughs) could be one area or it could be a long root Mm -hmm. that went straight out away from the tree. Just depends what's under there. And depends what's underneath there. So
1: Okay. Um, this one is coming from Shelly in Moose Jaw. We put underground watering in last fall. Now we have poplar roots coming up in a few different spots. What is the best way to handle these mounds of roots that keep popping up? We've we've been digging them up, but they just keep coming back.
2: Yeah, they will. Yeah, once you put once you, once you sever the roots, then you're causing all these new little plants to pop up. If you leave them, if you didn't sever the roots, then they wouldn't do that. So now, what you have to do is you have to go back a little closer to the tree, cut the roots again, okay, and then when they pop up, then you can paint them with Roundup, okay. Mm-hmm. But you can't paint them with Roundup when they're still attached to the main tree, okay. Oh, because it goes to back tree. to the yeah. main tree, whether it's your tree or the neighbor's tree. So you can't you can't treat them. So you have to first sever the roots. You know, and you don't do it right up. If the trees, if your neighbor's tree or your tree is right up against the fence or whatever, mm-hmm. or against the lawn, you can't just sever right beside the trunk because then you'll lose some branches on the tree. So you have to be back away for at least six feet away from the tree. At
3: least at the end of the drip line. Hey? At the end of
2: the drip line. Well, some are narrow though. Mm-hmm. So about six feet away from the tree at least. Okay. And then you can sever and then you can kill the suckers beyond that Got severed area.
1: Okay. A bit of a project.
2: It's a project. <laughs> I know. Uh, I don't like putting poppers in your yards because they, it always is a problem.
3: We've been using a lot more birches too,
1: columnar yep. birches. Because they
2: won't sucker, right? Okay. Yep.
1: All right. And that uh, brings us to the end of the show for the week. Oh, a busy already? one for the August long weekend. <laughs> that was wow, that went quick. <laughs> fast. Yeah. Uh Thank you to everyone who called and texted in. You've been listening to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME.